Have you attempted to clean up your diet and make healthier food choices only to become stressed out, overwhelmed, and confused by all the conflicting advice, diet plans, and suggestions from friends and family? Today we simplify the complex topic of nutrition with the help of a special guest and discuss simple tips for making healthy diet choices while still enjoying the food you love. You're listening to Sam and Dave, and this is Primal in Performance. I'm Sam. And I'm Dave. We both work in the healthcare field with over 25 years of combined experience caring for patients. While working with patients over the past year, we both started to notice that a number of patient issues stem from behavior changes made in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we decided to do a podcast series to help people make positive lifestyle changes and work towards becoming the best version of themselves. Each week, we break down a specific topic impacting health, and we discuss simple strategies, tricks, and tips that people can use to help enhance their lifestyle. Welcome back to Primal and Performance. We're going to continue with our series on getting back to normalcy after COVID. And today's podcast is a special episode because it is the first time that we have had a guest. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Melissa. And I actually work with her in Niagara, and she is a dietitian. So welcome and congratulations on being our first guest. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Today, we're going to be talking about getting back to an appropriate place when it comes to nutrition. I'm assuming that you have had a lot of people during this time talk to you about the bad habits that they have developed over the year of this pandemic restrictions. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think when the pandemic first started, people were really gung-ho about being in their kitchens and having more time to cook at home. They're making their own sourdough bread and whatnot. And as the pandemic went on and we got into some pandemic fatigue, people really started to get a little bit tired of the kitchen. And now I'm hearing a lot about skip the dishes and Uber Eats and just going back to the quick and easy. And so, yeah, I think that it's going to be getting back to some normalcy. Yeah. So what we've been trying to do with this series is we're trying to keep it as simple as possible for two kind of groups of people. The people that, like you said, at the beginning of this, were trying to maintain their pre-existing healthy lifestyle. And then the other group would be people who are using this pandemic and this change to start making healthier choices in their lifestyle. So we're trying to keep it as simple as possible and pretty basic for the listeners. We know that nutrition, it's quite expansive and that you could probably talk about it for hours and hours, but we want to keep it pretty simple. So we're going to ask you a couple of questions if that's all right um, and see what your experience has been and to see what you recommend to the people that you meet with in your uh, practice. Sounds good. So First, a lot of people out there, they have no idea what diet means. They have a certain thought in their head, but really have no idea of what's healthy, what's not healthy. So how do you go about starting somebody off and just simple tips that they can follow that doesn't have to be too specific, but just general for everybody? Yeah. So I usually kind of have a look at what they're doing now and then try to make like those small changes, right? So what are some small steps that we can take to move forward? A lot of people, it's kind of looking at their plate, getting them to eating regular meals, um, regular timing on some form of a schedule, I think is super helpful. Um, looking at what are they drinking throughout the day? And a lot of times there's some good changes that can be made there. But when they're looking at the plate, 
kind of the simple rule is to do half your plate veggies and then a quarter of your plate be protein and a quarter of it starch. So just kind of looking at your plate and, and getting your proportions. So a lot of times portion size is a big deal too. So eating till you're satisfied versus full, that's another big one. So those would be kind of my first three tips would be, again, you know, eating regularly, looking at that plate and getting some balance in there, lots of veggies. And the third thing would be eating till you're satisfied versus till you're full. Okay. So for regular timing, what would you mean? Like regular intervals throughout the day, like a typical breakfast, lunch, dinner. I know quite a few people who have difficulty with eating breakfast. What's the typical timing that you tell people? I think you have a great point there, like very individualized, right? So some people do better with kind of the smaller meals more often. Some people do better with the three meals. It really depends. Again, there's gender differences, male versus female. That's very kind of individualized. I usually tell people though, not to go more than four hours without eating, because a lot of times that will lead to overeating and not being able to watch the portion control. For the four hours where you want to try and eat within that four hour time frame. What should that look like? Like I go at lunch at 12 o'clock, right? At four o'clock, should I have a snack? Should I eat dinner? And then from four to eight, should I, you know, look for another snack again? What's the breakdown? How much should we be eating during those time frames? Yeah, what does that look like? Again, it really depends on kind of the amount that people are eating. So I don't really necessarily give people specifics around what specific time they have to eat and like I say it's just kind of a general guideline it's really getting people more in tune with their own hunger and fullness cues right so when people have been in this kind of dieting world often they don't know when they're hungry and when they're full or when they're satisfied with their hunger cues they haven't been listening to them so it's really more about getting people to become in tune with their own hunger cues and then guiding them from there I'm glad you brought up the term diet because that's a huge pet peeve of mine. I, I, I always say to people, you should never be trying to diet. You should be trying to make healthy diet changes. In my experience, I have found that people who try to diet, like restricting the things that they enjoy, I find that that rarely works. There is the odd individual who has the willpower and is able to do that, but most people are not, myself included. So my guide for people has always been to eat the things that you enjoy, but in moderation. There is a bodybuilder from the 90s who used to talk about his diet plan and how he used to approach his meals. And he used something called the 80-20 rule. And I'm not sure if you've heard of that before, but essentially it's 80% of your diet should be clean. And then the other 20% is basically all the other treat foods that you enjoy. And then how you distribute that throughout the week is essentially up to you. So for him, he would be pretty strict on Mondays and Thursdays. And then all the other days, he would kind of split it up where he would eat mostly lean and then have treats throughout the day. So have you heard of that diet approach? And is that something that you would recommend for people? I have heard of that for sure. The 80, 20 rule. I think again, you know, even just kind of that treat and that labeling food as good and bad impacts our psyche, right? With kids, I really try not to use the word treat. So it's like, there's sometimes food and everyday foods. And we're really trying to get people away from labeling, you know, bad versus good. Obviously we know that some foods are much better for our body, right? They're providing us good nutrients and we we need those. But then the other foods are those soul foods. Maybe there's going to be weeks where you need some more soul foods and other weeks where you don't need any of those foods. So I think trying to get away from rules, I think is key really. And again, not labeling things. It's just food and let's just enjoy it. 
That's a, it's a good point you made there about times where you do need more soul food. And I totally agree with that. So going, we won't try and label them as good food or bad foods, but there's a difference between, you know, having a home cooked steak versus going out to McDonald's for a hamburger. So how do we start looking at and telling which foods are sometimes foods, which foods are everyday type foods? Yeah, so I think really kind of that whole foods approach, right? The idea that minimally processed foods are going to be better for the body, you know, choose those fruits and vegetables, your lean proteins, your good healthy fats. So I think it just goes back to simple nutrition, right? Going back to the the whole foods. So say somebody comes in and they know that they've been eating probably more than they should or eating more of those sometimes foods. How do they start making those simple changes without you know having to drastically change everything that you're doing? Yeah, so I think you have to look at kind of the entire person, right? So what's their lifestyle? What kind of time do they have? It's going to be based on the individual, right? So where are they, where do they want to start? You, you can't have your own decision made about where you're going to start somebody off. So it's asking, it's actually asking the person, where do you want to start? What do you see as being the easiest thing to change? So small changes, I usually do start with increasing your veggie intake, get some nice fresh vegetables and, you know, grill them, roast them, do all kinds of different things with them to make them more enjoyable. So that's usually a good place to start. Usually most people aren't eating enough vegetables. So that's it. That's an easy place to start. A lot of us get stuck in a box and we kind of end up making the same meals. And it usually a lot of it has to do with what we grew up with. There's obviously uh, cultural um, aspects to that as well. So is there somewhere that you, where people can look to try to find simple, fairly healthy meals that they can make for themselves and also for their families? So where could people go to come up with simple, nutritious meal ideas? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a challenge cooking for a family. I really encourage people to do that family meal, right? So if you have goals, the whole family can participate. You might have to modify things a little bit. A good resource would be unlockfood.ca. They have lots of great recipes. Dietitians of Canada has an app called Cookspiration and it has some great recipes. I really like Half Your Plate. They have lots of great recipes as well as tips. Those are all really good, good sources. That's great. And that's some great advice as well about the eating, uh, eating as a family. I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One, because like you mentioned, it, it, it does prevent you from making multiple meals for people. And it also helps to role model for your children. If you can present some variety to your children, I think that's super important as well. So I'm glad you brought that up. For sure. I agree. I think it's really important. It's food exposure, right? So, um, you know, if you're constantly just making them what they like, then they're not going to branch out, right? I was wondering, uh, as a physiotherapist, people come in sometimes and they'll tell us that I took out something, like I stopped drinking alcohol and all of a sudden my shoulder feels better or something like that. So are there any foods that either help the body recover and heal or are there any that are a detriment to that healing slash recovery process? That's a great question. We can just certainly try to get inflammation down a little bit with a more whole foods kind of approach, less processed foods, less sugar it's kind of reducing that overall inflammation. So perhaps that is what people are experiencing. If they're eating a little bit better, perhaps they're feeling better about themselves, more confidence because they feel a little bit more in control of what they're doing diet-wise. So perhaps that's part of it as well. Perfect. Wonderful. Just one question as you did bring that up. So I have heard in certain circles, people do tend to shy away from fruit 
because it does have sugar content. Is that really something that we should be looking at? Or is it just kind of, you know, it's still healthy for us. Don't overthink it too much. Fruit, you know, definitely still healthy for us. I think you can definitely overdo it if you're having a lot of fruit and certainly some fruit are lower in sugar than other fruit. We usually say around three servings or so a day is probably a good thing. You know, blueberries are very low in sugar. So you can do quite a few of those. Yeah. People have mentioned that to, to me as well, Dave. And what I always say to them is, is that I would much rather them eat a, a whole bowl full of fruit than to go eat something very sugary, like a bag of bag of candy, which I love by the way. So I would much rather have them eat the fruit because of the nutrition content to it, as opposed to just purely sugar that you'd find in those other high sugar foods. Would you agree with that, Melissa? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as, as you're saying there, you love the candy and that kind of stuff. That leads me to one more question, because I do have this conversation quite a bit. I do like my coffee. I drink probably four or five cups a day. Is there anything wrong with that? Oh, it's a good question. I hope so, if so, so, I am in trouble. Uh, yeah, I think it really depends on the person, right? We know that, you know, there's slow metabolizers and fast metabolizers of coffee. I think that likely makes a difference. There's lots of diseases where we actually think coffee may provide a benefit. So it, it's really that caffeine content, though, if you're somebody that struggles with anxiety, sometimes we'll suggest people to reduce it. It's what people put in the coffee, right? They're not realizing the calories that they're consuming and, and the appetite suppressant that it is. And then they go all day without eating and then they come home and overeat and then snack in the evening. So I think if that's what you're having throughout the day as your energy source, you're fueled on the caffeine versus on on the nutrition. So I think that's where it can get into some trouble. I will say I've been drinking black coffee for about like a year and a half now. It actually tastes a lot better, but that's just my personal opinion. I agree uh, with Melissa when it comes to the health benefits of coffee. And really that has to do with the coffee itself and not the sugar and the cream that's in it. And I'm, I'm really glad, Melissa, that you brought up the, the point about the calorie content of coffees, because I have had a lot of people come in and talk to me about weight management and things that they can do to address that. And one of the first things I always talk about is making sure that you're not drinking your calories. A lot of people don't realize how many calories they're drinking, right? So I'm glad you brought that point up and it is important. So Melissa, over this, um, COVID pandemic and you've seen people, what has been the number one thing that people have been seeing you for? Definitely GI. So irritable bowel syndrome, that's definitely been the number one thing. A close second would be emotional eating. Which is interesting because both of those things are attributed or associated with stress, which we're living in a stressful time right now. So that totally makes sense. So Melissa, are there any tr uh, tricks or tips that you give to people? when you see them that are trying to start out, that are trying to make some healthy lifestyle changes, some simple, easy things that they can do to start the process. Um, even though it's not diet-based, I do usually recommend people get enough sleep, make sure you're getting enough movement that you enjoy, you know, less sedentary times. And then um, looking at nutrition, um, making sure that they're eating regularly, that they're listening to those hunger cues, looking at that hunger fullness scale and being able to stop kind of when they're satisfied versus when they're full looking at the portions on their plate and making sure that they're, you know, getting those veggies in and that half their plate is vegetables and making sure that you're spreading protein evenly throughout the day. So um, those are kind of like the basic things to get started. Good. They're pretty easy for everybody. So it's good. 
Well, you know what, Melissa? We'll let you go. <laughs> so I'm not keeping you. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was we'll awesome. Honestly. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was nice meeting you guys. Yeah. Yeah, you as well. All right. Well, I think that's a lot for everyone to take in. No pun intended. So I think like always, keep it simple and keep it straightforward when it comes to health and nutrition and overall health in general. So the takeaways from today's podcast are start slow, start simple, focus on plate size and portion size, focusing on more whole foods, more clean foods, less processed foods, and try to limit the amount of sometimes foods or those foods that we all know are guilty pleasures. Thanks for listening, and make sure to catch the final episode of this podcast series where we discuss the barriers to healthy lifestyle change with the help of a special guest. We'll examine simple tips and strategies to help overcome the obstacles that are preventing you from becoming the best version of yourself. You're listening to Primal and Performance.